So What is a podcast from the Gathering at Crossings Community Church. This podcast exists to help young adults navigate real life and cultural topics <laughs> that looks in light of what the Bible says. The Gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights <laughs> at 7 humble. p.m. at Crossings <laughs> really Community <laughs> Church. I feel like one of those little monkeys in their 20s and 30s to belong nice. and be known. I feel like one of those little monkeys. Hope you enjoy the podcast. There you go. Like Toy Story. Hey guys, welcome to So What. This week, we're kicking off the Christmas season talking about what is Advent. So kind of going back to our Back to the Basics series, uh, we just wanted to go over things that maybe are commonly thrown around in church and in the Christian world, but maybe aren't necessarily explained. So with Advent starting on the last Sunday, we kind of wanted to go through and just explain what it is, how it started, the whole shebang. But before we get into that, I want to know, what is like your favorite activity in the Christmas season? You oh, can't gosh. say Advent, that's cheating. Um, <laughs> I think for me, it's we, we, we always get a real Christmas tree. Ooh. And so taking the fam out and cutting down a real tree, it's, it's I've, at the end of the day, it's a collective win. There are moments where there are massive <laughs> losses, but collectively it's, it's a good experience. It makes for good pictures. And the kids, you know, they feel like they're hunting. So, and they all get to help cut down a real tree. Oh, so, have fun. you have you picked yours out for this year yet? No, we have not done that yet. Okay. We are post Thanksgiving people. When it's going to happen, I have no idea because <laughs> I'll be out of town this weekend. I don't, oh so we'll see. We'll How see long do real trees last? Because I was very much a fake tree people in my family, so I have oh, no they, idea. I mean, you get little tablets you can drop in the water helps it last longer. So, we've never had one like dry up. Wow. You just got to water it every day. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Wow. Amazing. Okay. Uh, mine definitely is driving around looking at lights. So Oklahoma City people, Nicholas Hill, Nicholas, Hill. Nicholas excuse me, St. Nicholas For, Hills. Let's be formal. Nicholas Hills. Nicholas Hills. <laughs> Mister. We're Nicholas in the Christmas Hills. spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Hills has awesome Christmas lights. If you have not checked it out, definitely just driving around there. I feel like they all get them maybe professionally done. Yep. Oh, so for it sure. looks great. For we sure. always end up with the house on Grand. Which uh, one? There's just, so many. The, the, the one on the end. You know, uh, yes. you know which right. one. You're it, right. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a good time. As um, a dad, now all I can think is like, how much does that cost? That's all. That's so the much. only thing I get. I know it's really scroogey, but <laughs> I was like, man, that's a lot of money in lights and electricity. That's why the, the joy of Christmas just plummets as you get older. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Don't say that. That's why I go see other people's houses. Yeah. <laughs> how great a job they did. Mine's probably either looking at Christmas lights or I love ice skating a lot. Oh, I know it's so fun, and I also I think running. that would be my one of the last things I would choose. To Listen, do. if you can't ice skate, and you just say that, it's okay. Well, I can ice skate; it's just cold, wet. My ankles are crowded. We like have a running minutes. bit that I can ice skate backwards, which I can, but none of my friends believe me, and so it's a running joke, and they give me a lot of crap for it. So every winter I go and I just do a little woohoo, ice skate backwards business. It's a good time. All it's right, fun. Fair Very enough, holiday fair jolly. Okay, so back to Advent. Our real favorite Christmas activity because we're all very holy. That's right. Um, what is kind of the history of Advent? How did it start? Like, where did it come from? Well, I, I definitely grew up in a church where I, I, I think we mentioned it, but it was not something that I was really aware of as to what it was until I came to college. And even now, as we were preparing for this, I was like, what exactly is, when did it start? <laughs> when do we start this every year? Just because I'm still a little confused on, or I was confused on some of just even like the basic elements of Advent. So that was my growing up. I was interested even as we kind of dove into the history um, of where it came from. But I mean, Andy, did you grow up in a church that talked no, about it? No, we didn't, we didn't talk about it at all. When I got to, uh, actually, when I came on staff here, 
when I was 30 years old was the first time I had ever attended a church that celebrated Advent. Okay. I grew up non-denominational, so we didn't just have we didn't have a ton of tradition growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, either that, or they did it, and I just didn't pay attention because I was <laughs> a kid. Um, but no, I like I've really I have as I've gotten older, Advent has become just really a really cool part of the Christmas season for me. Um, when it started a long time ago. For me, it did not start that long ago. Um, but what's fun and really in- impactful for me is it helps recenter my mind and my heart in what seems to be a chaotic and crazy season. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that, just the, just the idea of Advent, the word Advent means a hopeful anticipation, a, like the, the, uh, of, of a, an arrival. And so we Advent all the time. <laughs> we Advent for vacation all the time, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're you're anticipating the arrival of something. The little countdown apps. That yes, tell you there like you go. Days yeah. and <laughs> Absolutely. Every, every, yeah, every bride has the countdown app, you know, how many days. And so the idea of Advent is not a new, it's not, it's not a new idea. We do this in almost every area of our life, but specifically at Christmas, it's just, I think, I feel like our culture just, it makes it such um, a chaotic time that fill it with this, fill it with that, do this, buy this, whatever, that what Advent has been so helpful for me is it helps slow me down mm-hmm. um, to a point where I actually remember what this season is actually for, what we're anticipating. We're not. When I was a kid, I would anticipate one thing, and that was Christmas morning. It was the gifts. It was whatever. As I got older, I would anticipate the food, <laughs> right, <laughs> all the yummy stuff that everybody makes. Um, but as I learned what Advent was, this this hopeful anticipation, um, man, it just makes the Christmas season honestly much more meaningful, um, much more emotional. Because I don't get emotional about the toys when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I would, but I get emotional about thinking about the coming Messiah and mm-hmm. why he came. Why did he need to come? Um, so yeah, I. Anyway, that I did not grow up with Advent, but I love it now. It's 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 one of my favorite things in the church calendar for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, same here. I also didn't grow up with Advent. I didn't know what it was actually until I came on staff, like you said. So I was like, okay, like what is this? So I did some research on it, and one of the definitions that I found was it was the focus on the coming Messiah, like initially, and then also the second coming mm-hmm. of Jesus. And so I kind of did a deep dive, and I was looking through just kind of what the difference was, what the Jews were anticipating with their coming Messiah. And what we've anticipated, because looking back, like I was looking through and all through scripture, like there's just this promise of a Messiah, of a Messiah, of a coming King, of deliverance for Jerusalem and for the Jews. And so I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. So what were the Jewish people anticipating when they were anticipating the arrival of a Messiah? Yeah. Like when you read the Old Testament, like this is just how my brain works. I think of the Old Testament as like this neon flashing arrow, (laughs) that's pointing to Jesus. And so what they were waiting for was the Messiah, who we know as Jesus. But they weren't looking for who Jesus was. They were looking for a very specific kind of Messiah. They were looking for a conquering king um, specifically to, to, to free the Israelites from oppression and foreign um, rule. And so they were... And you see this as as the disciples talk, right? As they as they talk to Jesus, you see it come out of the, of their psyche of they're looking for more of a military ruler to free them from Rome. 
um, from free them from from outside forces. And so they were looking for a very specific kind of Messiah. And Jesus blew everybody's mind, including the disciples, including the Pharisees. He just mm-hmm. said, "No, no, no, I'm doing way more than you think. God is he's got a much bigger thing going on here." Yeah, no, I I think it's so interesting the way that Jesus came, even how he came. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we we now have the whole narrative of the story, but coming as a baby could not have come more helpless, uh, more small and um, innocent in a sense. And so comes here and that's how he's first introduced to the world. And at that time, much like even our time today, if you're going to have any sort of power, you've got to be the loudest voice in the room. You've got to be successful. You've got to be driven. You've got to make sure that your points get across. And in this war-torn time of history, it would have been a warlord, you know, someone that could have come in, commanded an army and, you know, done some business. And the way that Jesus leads is one through sacrifice and one that's much more gentle, much more meek and much more effective than anything else. But it just wasn't what the people were expecting. And so I think that naturally that's why there was so much confusion, especially when Jesus first enters onto the scene and says, I'm the Messiah. And their, their comeback is, you're Joseph's son. He's just a carpenter. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're just yeah. from this town of, of nobodies. How could you be this coming Messiah that was prophesied? Uh, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 kind of is one of those prophecies about the coming Messiah. And um, it talks about that he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It says that the greatness of his government and peace will be will have no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. So you read that at face value, and that is exactly what you would expect, you know, this coming Messiah to kind of reign over his kingdom. And that's exactly what Jesus does, but just in a very different way than anyone had ever anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, too, just kind of the tension that was there. Like you even see, like you were saying, throughout the Gospels, the disciples, the Jews, everyone, they were just really anticipating something very different all the way up through the triumphal entry. Like that is in accordance to how they would enter a king. And then a week later, Jesus dies. And so I almost feel for him a little bit in just that feeling of their hopes being dashed at first. Mm. Like all that build up, and they were hoping, and they were waiting, and they were adventing for this Messiah, only to have everything completely shattered. But I love what you said about how God is always doing more than we think. Like the way that Jesus was going to come and rule and reign was so much better than anything that they had previously anticipated or wanted or even thought of, which I think. Which on a side note, which is one one of the, the blessings of Advent, I think every year is it, it brings us back to a very, very familiar story. Mm-hmm. But like what you just said, Paige, like they were looking for a very specific thing, right? And when we Advent in other areas of our life, we are anticipating the arrival of something. And we want a very specific something. And when that very specific something doesn't happen the very specific way we want it to happen in the very specific timing that we want it to happen, we get disappointed. And we, just like the Israelites, would have can, can we can get short-sighted in terms of what is God doing? It's, it, it isn't, he's not doing it the way I want him to do it. So what is he doing? I think that curiosity, um, and I think that, uh, in a, couple of podcasts ago, my wife talked about this in quiet times. It's just mm-hmm. being curious about God, about his word. And I think this idea of Advent, of that they were anticipating something in a very specific way, but then God said, I got a different way and it's bigger and it's better. Mm-hmm. And how that kind of rattled everything that they knew or believed. And so it's just, a again, Advent is that, that anticipation, that hopeful anticipation of the arrival of the king. And so I just even think just practically nowadays, what does that mean for me is like, 
I think it starts to make my prayer life look a little different. Mm-hmm. Is what am I praying for? Am I praying for a specific thing or am I saying, hey, God's doing more than we think? Mm-hmm. And he's probably going to do it differently. I don't know if God's ever done it exactly the way I thought ever <laughs> in my whole life. Um, and that's really hard to do because I want I want to be in charge. And so anyway, just another side note, I just think practically we, we it bleeds into our life, uh, the idea of Advent very differently. I think that's a really good point. And it just kind of shows God's goodness and his mercy mm-hmm. and in answering that better than we thought. I was talking to someone in my small group the other day just about prayer and answer to prayers. And I was talking to her about it. And I was like, I can't tell you one time that the Lord has answered my prayer exactly how I wanted him to. But it has always exceeded my expectations. And we even see that throughout scripture. Like whenever, I think we were talking about this one the other day, but whenever the Lord takes them from the Old Testament and redoes it in the New Testament, it's always different but better. Like you think of communion, you think of the temple, you think of all those things that are redone in the New Testament and they're always better. Same is true of Jesus. He's the prime example of that yeah. in the New Testament, which well, is really cool. Well, who's the, the theologian Garth Brooks, right? Like, what do you say? <laughs> Thank God for unanswered <clears throat> prayers. Yep. And can we just be honest? Like there's a lot of prayers I prayed in high school that... Thank God he did not answer those prayers. <laughs> the arrival of, of, a, of a girlfriend for 16-year-old Andy was a good thing. That that did not happen. <laughs> Lord, please. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I love looking at Mary's response, being one of the very first people to ever be introduced, this idea of how the actual Messiah is going to come onto mm. the picture. You know, the angel visits her and shares that she's going to be the mother. And, of course, has questions like anyone would, like, how can this be, like— you know who I am, you know, I'm not, I don't have a husband and all of the things that physically and practically don't make sense. Um, and yet when we look into the book of Luke, his, his account of Mary's response, it's one of praise and one of worship. And when mm. I think about, you know, again, there's just the unexpected ways that God has worked. Um, she just had a heart posture that was just ready for, to be used in whatever yeah, ways good. God wanted to use her. And I love that response. You know, so many people did get it wrong, and naturally so. They were looking for something that didn't come to pass. And even when she was in the midst of uncertainty and chaos and a lot of unknown, uh, there was still a response of praise. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just I think about how we can even incorporate that now, 2,000 years later, knowing that Jesus is going to return. We're excited for that return. We look forward to it, but we're also in the midst of unknown, uncertainty, and chaos. Yep. Yep. And so how can it still be, God, I'm just going to trust you and have a responsive praise and that be enough, you know, because the Lord blesses that. And and like you both have been talking about, the Lord's still moving and the Lord's still working. It makes me wonder how many times during that, that's, you know, that probably that nine months minimum for Mary, how many times she revisited in her mind the words mm-hmm. that were spoken to her, mm-hmm. you know, in that waiting, in the in the in the anticipation, there had been a lot of questions, a lot of emotions, ups and downs, rumors, you know, all, all everything. And I have to believe that Mary, being who Mary was, that she was just always returning back to what was said to her, mm-hmm. and what a great idea. And you alluded to okay, as, as we wait for the second arrival of Christ that we're in this we were living in the second advent you know when we look at revelation 21 what do we do in the seasons where maybe we wonder what what's going on what when is Jesus coming is we go back just like maybe Mary did and we, we go back to God's word and look at his promises look at what he said mm-hmm. and that keeps us um, from freaking out mm-hmm. <laughs> with the unknown well it reminds me a lot of Romans 8 uh, 22 through 24 when Paul's just kind of talking about 
all of creation is waiting for mm-hmm. Christ. It says in verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption and sonship, the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we were saved. And so just kind of that idea, I think it's really easy to see the world around us and see kind of the chaos and the state that it's in and get really discouraged and get really unhopeful. Yeah. And so just kind of the idea that all of creation is groaning for the second coming of Christ. We're in that Advent, that season of waiting. And so just the reminder just to not lose hope that the Lord is coming back and he is good. And he's coming to restore and give us that revelation type of restoration. It's one of the things I do like, I love about having children is they teach you very simple truths just by the way they are. They don't have the filters, right? And so when I look at my children leading up to a birthday specifically or Christmas— <laughs> Like, they could be having the worst day ever. And for them, that's very different than, you know, most people. (laughs) Um, They didn't, you know, get first in line at school or whatever. But all you have to do is tell them how many days until Christmas. And their whole continence changes. Why? Because they're looking forward to that day where they get to open all the presents. And I think so for for the believer, those who have put their faith in Jesus, like, yeah, life is hard and there's going to be ups and downs. But... I think, you know, uh, what is it, Hebrews, Hebrews 12, you know, fix our eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Because what does that do? It realigns our heart and our mind on not what is currently hopeless, but what God has said is completely hopeful. Mm-hmm. That he is going, to, as Revelation 20, it's my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. I know I probably say that about a lot, but just this idea that there will be no more, no more pain, no more tears. He will make all things, all things new. I'm like, that's Christmas, right? That's the second advent is he will come again and he will make all things new. Um, so I don't know what the question was, but that's, <laughs> that's just good. That's, that's just, yeah, yeah I, good you know, my, encouragement. Well, it's just uh, Christmas is easy to get excited about, yeah. right? That morning, yeah. the feels, you know, all the, the hot chocolate and the coffee and the Christmas music. And I think sometimes we just forget that Christ is coming back mm-hmm. and the the bride and the groom, you know, it's like at a wedding. I don't watch the bride walk in. I watch the groom mm-hmm. and watch the face of the groom see his bride come down. Well, the, the church is the bride and Christ is the groom. And that's what how Jesus looks at anticipation of us bringing, coming back, mm-hmm. back to him. I just love that excitement in Advent because we're counting down something that has already happened about mm-hmm. God coming, being with his people, Emmanuel, God with us, but also there's that expectation of there's more to come. Yeah, We're remembering and looking forward. Uh-huh. It's yeah. a neat kind of parallel that like you can't help but get excited about. You can't help yeah. feel that hope because it's just like, man, I've already had this great thing done for me through Christ and it's already been done and I can celebrate that. But also how much better is it going to get when he comes back yeah. and when he restores? And so I Absolutely. think it's really unique in the sense that there's not <laughs> a lot of things that we're hoping for, uh, we're waiting for that are in that already but not yet kind yeah. of category. Absolutely. That's a good way to put it, already but not yet. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. So kind of going off of that practically, I know we all talked about how we didn't really grow up doing Advent. And so I just kind of want to take a little few minutes to talk about what doing Advent well and what kind of practice we can put in place to Advent and to really use this season wisely and to kind of use this time to connect with the Lord. What do you guys do? What's worked for you? That sort of thing. You know, it's funny. We didn't really do a ton of Advent stuff for the month leading up to Christmas, but I remember every year it never failed on Christmas morning. 
uh, the tradition that my brother and I had all growing up was we'd sleep in the same room on Christmas Eve and then we'd wake up at like 3 a.m. You know, every hour. Then after that, it was like going down, seeing if mom and dad are okay for us to get to get up and open gifts. And then finally at like 6.30, they give in. And so we all crowd into the living room and we had this set of, I'm sure they're pretty common, maybe, I don't know, but like 12 Easter eggs is what they were. And uh, all the other Easter, Easter eggs. eggs on yeah, Christmas? Yeah, Easter eggs for hmm. Christmas. But, but okay. right. they Christmas had eggs. all of the story of kind of just like, tying in all of like the Christmas story and kind of what's to come and to be expectant. And we always did that and then read the mm. the Christmas story in Luke or what, one of the gospels before we opened any present. So it was like, let's set our eyes on what's actually important and remember, you know, that this is why we even have this day. This is why we celebrate. And so in a short version, you know, like for like the 30 minutes before we opened gifts on Christmas, it was just a good way for us to kind of center and focus in mm. on here are the elements of what actually made Christmas Christmas. So yeah. I don't know. That was something that we did growing up. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, a lot of things you can do. I mean, yesterday in Sunday school class, uh, my wife Taylor talked about just practicing silence, you know, from the story of Zachariah. Um, I think that that could be, you know, qu- quieting the, the, the noise of, of life. One of the things I like to do is I just like to read the gospel accounts of the birth of Christ because they're all different. And so through the month of December specifically, just rereading those uh, is one thing that I do just to get back into the mindset of, yeah, this is not just about the hustle and bustle and the Black Friday sales. This is about a world that needed saving and the coming Messiah mm-hmm. to save it. And so... Then one of the things we do, and for those who are single listening to this, and once you have kids, maybe you can do this, but this is one fun thing that we do, is on Christmas Eve, we go to Christmas Eve service, and um, then we come home, we have a birthday party for Jesus. We have a cake, (laughs) and we, similar to you, Oakley, we tell tell the story. Like, Mm -hmm. this is what Christmas is really about. And so we just make it into a birthday party, which engages them. They're going to get cake, but then they take turns reading. And we, we have each of them read something um, so that it, it's a fully engaged moment, not just waiting for mom and dad to get through what they're doing. So, but you, you can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, yeah. there's no right or wrong way to do it. I think really it's just a matter of what is the motivation of your heart? Why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. And just remembering and then looking forward to, all right, this is what we're celebrating. Yeah. And the whole idea of Jesus coming was to serve those that he loved too. You know, so it was a big thing. I think that we can participate in that my mom was really big on with us growing up as well was look outside of yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's a big season for any person, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, whatever, you know, everyone kind of gets in this, this mentality to go and serve and it's a holiday spirit. But again, what's my heart behind that? If I'm a Christian, it should be, I have been served much by a Jesus that loved me. So therefore I want to go out and serve. So find ways to engage the community, find ways to engage those around you, meet the needs of mm-hmm. people. It's what you're created yeah. for. Um, and there's no better way to fix your eyes on the sacrifice that's been given to you if you're sacrificing, you know, for someone else in a yeah. certain way. Yeah, that's really good. And I think there's so many opportunities to do that, especially like you were saying around Christmas, people are so focused on it. Uh, for me, I haven't really done Advent because I didn't really know about it. And so this year I'm really excited because I think what I'm going to do is just be really intentional about slowing down. If you know me, which a lot of you do, I'm very busy, go, go, hustle, bustle <laughs> all the time, all the things for Christmas, all the time. And so I think for me, just kind of really slowing down, remembering the why behind Christmas is going to be really important. And so what that looks like practically is slowing down holiday activities, spending more time um, reading about Christmas, spending more time with people that I love, doing slower things, not because fast things aren't bad, but I know when I do fast things, it kind of tends to take my focus off of the Jesus and off of why 
Christmas is the way that it is. And so I think, too, kind of going back to what Taylor said about silence, just the idea of kind of rejecting the hustle of Christmas and just really enjoying and sitting and abiding in this season and the goodness of Jesus is a really good way to do it, too. I'll probably give our, our listeners a, a challenge is to schedule that. Don't just assume it's going to happen because mm-hmm. everything in our life does not lead to silence. Everything is not pushing you to alone time and reflecting. And so I would just maybe challenge you to put it in your put it on your Google calendar. Hey, 15 minutes, half an hour, I'm going to read a gospel message of the birth of Christ and I'm going to pray in silence and just thank the Lord for the for the Messiah and so for Jesus. So I just think for me, I gotta schedule it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everything else that's not important will take over my calendar. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts um, just kind of about Avon on this topic before we close it out? This is a minor question, clarifier, but when is, like, Advent starts, you said, the first Sunday. Sunday after Thanksgiving, right? Well, it's the, so it's the four, so I wrote it down. There's okay. four Sundays. Four so Sundays, okay. it yes. takes place in the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. So this year it's November 27th through December 24th. Okay, all right. So the four Sundays before yes. Christmas. Some people, yes. yeah, just celebrate the month of December. Yep. I didn't know exactly if there was parameters, so that's good. I think yep. kind of depends. Mm-hmm. Good to know. But yeah. Well, thank you guys for your thoughts and for sharing. I'm excited just kind of entering into this Christmas season, and I hope this was helpful for you guys. If you have any questions, always feel free to reach out. We'd love to talk to you. Merry Thanks. Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.